This is a sonic scrapbook, a passport to Rome, following a pull to tune into the pulse of place, to get closer to the ground, befriending strangers along the way. I'm Petra Barron, and this is Low Lines. Episode four, Borderline, Sonora Desert, Arizona. Borderlands. A lot of border patrol, keep out signage. There's a bit of a stoppage situation earlier. Where I had to go over. Oh, I'm fine, thank you. Cheers. Probably looking a bit lost, distressed, my natural expression. Um, I'm so curious to see how people are going to be. I mean, this is, you know, borderlands. People have to protect themselves. They have to be too loose and too open with each other. So this is State Land Trust. Target shooting is not allowed. Active hunting and fishing is allowed with valid Arizona licenses. Please don't litter. If you pack it in, pack it out. I've learned a new word I didn't know a couple of days ago. Autochthonous. 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 I've just had a mad few days in the desert. All this old parched grass. Being careful not to step on a snake. And yet more mesquite. Mesquite galore. So I hung out in Tucson for a few days, hung out with Jana and her family, explored the town a little bit, and then she lent me her Honda Pilot. And off I went, south towards the border. No structure at all. My favourite kind of plan. Just into the Sonora Desert in search of my desert woman. I've done some road tripping through deserts before, but never on my own, never this far south and never on a quest to meet an unknown stranger, a woman who is an intimate connection to the land. This waitress in Tucson in this hippie cafe I went into was like, oh, you want to meet a desert woman? You've got to get yourself down to Aravaca. She told me all about how women there birth their babies in teepees and live in caves. That was all I needed. Off I went, driving off into the unknown to talk to strangers and see what happens. So I jumped into Jana's car, hit the highway south, on another baking hot morning, got out of the city into the desert that just seemed to be vaster and vaster and even more biscuity as I drove through it and um, just stopped every now and again to drink it in, this like big deserty vastness. Pulled off the highway, got onto this little road and spotted this cafe. And I'm thinking, right, what are they eating around here? Let me go and check this out. Why, you want something like super Arizona? Yeah. Hmm. Hold on. Hey, you got some hot dogs, though? I need some. She says she wants something super Arizona. What's more Arizona than Sonora, though? Sonora, 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 Sonora,
This book is so full on. It's about this group of Mexican migrants who are led over the border and then abandoned by their coyote, their guide. There's this part about the seven stages of getting heat hypothermia that is so horrific. It's not just the border that you have to get across, it's navigating the desert itself. It's just mad to think that this is the same land that draws so many people to it for such different reasons and in such different conditions. I'm looking for a desert woman. Desert woman? Yeah. Mm -hmm. In a world where a lot of us aren't really connected to the land. We kind so of you want somebody that's off See, grid. it's different, yeah. Off-grid. You guys know anybody off-grid? Well, like, she's looking for some, a desert woman. And so there were some friendly people in there, but no real leads and a pretty average burrito. I got back on the road to Aravaca. My God, this book, The Devil's Highway, is really teaching me some stuff. It's a huge, great trapezium of um, land to the east of I-19 south of I-8 and all the way along the Mexican border you're dealing with some scary shit right in the crooks of it. You feel it all around you. I mean, the car is absolutely boiling. Oh my God. Oh my God, it's boiling. Off I go to Aravaca. The Longhorn Grill. I might have to go into a shop and see what's going on in there. Aravaca shirts, homemade soap, honey, mesquite honey. There's a European clearance shelf, which we've got Cane's Deluxe Coffee, Heinz Malt Vinegar, some ready grated Parmesan cheese, some black beans for 75 cents for a 16 ounce bag. How you How doing? doing? You've got everything in here, haven't you? Yes, we do. Pretty close. I'm looking to stay the night. Is there anywhere to stay here? Um, I think Steve rents out places at the La Siesta. Um, Wonderful. It's a campground. Great. I can give you the number. You want to go all the way up the hill, about two miles. You make a right. The only street you can make a right is paved. And then you follow it to the end, you'll hit dirt and you've gone too far. And I'm, pre I'm pretty sure I don't think they're real busy right now. So, What's the farmer's market like? Good luck. Thank the you. farmer's market, they sell vegetables and goods and honey and things like that. Yeah. yeah. It was first Saturday, last Saturday, and it was kind of quiet. Right. Yeah, but it's getting hot, so a lot of people go snowbirds leave. Like, right. you know what I mean? So, all right. Okay, thank you. Uh -huh. Thank you. So this place is connected to the ground, right? Yeah, you got that. Yeah, the whole area. <laughs> <laughs> 
For as far as the eye can see. Yeah, yeah. Anything else, Keith? A scratcher. Well, good luck. Thank you. I'll see you. I'll be back. God, this place is incredible. There's Miranda's farmer's market, which is all set up and ready for action for tomorrow's market from 12 till noon, which I'm really excited about attending. Although I haven't got any cash, I've just realized. Skeet trees here are massive. I've passed La Gitana, the bar where I'm going to be making friends with people later. And Sasabe is 24 miles away. This is like living in your truck city. It's really scratchy. Grass is parched yellow. The colour of the hair when it's been bleached too long and it's been in chlorine. This is scratchy, scratchy, scratchy. Aravaca is a scene. It's tiny. It's like a mini burning man. Have you entered it? Then you're leaving it. Let's see what I can find in the bar. gave my usual chat about the podcast about looking for people connected to the land and they're really friendly but they told me to shut the recorder off they told me it might make some people in there uncomfortable because of where we are so I asked them do you know any desert women and there was a bit of conferring and a couple of phone calls and then there was a brief chat with a woman on the other side of the bar and then the guy's like Samantha will talk to you she's had a rough day her dog's just been killed by a coyote but she'll do it you were bringing up these aspects of how a place, a geography of a place, has a kind of a personality. My understanding, if I was to rewrite it, I would say I believe that the geography of a place has a personality and that it gets into your brain. So here's something that's going to cross the line, but there's this idea of indigenous. And I've always struggled with that coming from the Pacific Northwest because I grew up there and only there. And my mother let my sister and I run wild on the Oregon coast. I mean wild. With horses, in the forest. I mean, I lived in a teepee by myself when I was 10. I learned early on that the place that I was in, we learned about the ocean. 
We never wore shoes in the summer. When it was time to go to school in the fall, my mother dragged us to this place called Youngland in Portland, Oregon, and made us try on shoes. And I thought of them as prisons for my feet because I just wanted to be barefoot all summer long. So um, when I grew up, I realized how much the rain, the wind, going walking straight into windstorms that were coming from the southwest, the southwesters on the Pacific Ocean. When I grew up and I start to hear contemporarily this idea of indigenous, it's like, well, where am I indigenous? Because I'd never grew up anywhere else. Anyway, I found this really interesting writer named Paul Shepard, and he wrote a book called Coming Home to the Pleistocene. And he talked about how our DNA is really from the Pleistocene, and we're sort of like weird zoo animals right now, like finding ourselves in an odd environment that doesn't match with our DNA. So I think it's been my life's quest to find places where I am only me as myself in the world, in the natural world. What am I in that? And it's not always comfortable, and I don't always like myself. But he used a word called autochthonous. You'd have to look it up, but it kind of means things of a place, like things that are from that place, like they emanate, originate from that place. And I thought, I might not be indigenous, but I'm autochthonous to every place that I go that's not in a city. So over the years, my grandfather was a hunter, and he died before I was able to learn from him. The memory of him taught me and I started all by myself to say, I want to go deer hunting when I was in my mid-twenties. So I just bought an, a dumb gun, you know, and went off by myself, and I started to learn to be in the woods by myself. And I bought a little guide about how to gut a deer, and after hunting for days and days by myself, I actually shot a buck, and I didn't know how to do anything. And so I had this little guide, and... I just followed the little pictures and gutted this buck and I dragged it to the truck and it was really hard because it was really heavy and I got it up in the back of the truck and I went home and I butchered half of it on the kitchen table and my son, my little boy, he was like, wow, mom, you can do anything, exactly. And then I realized I didn't really know how to butcher. That was actually an art. I went over to our local grocery store who had a butcher and he said, you know, if you come after we're closed, I'll do the other half for you. So I got this beautiful meat that I cooked. And uh, by myself, I went for years. And so I would just go into the great Sayusla National Forest. No joke. So you were in Oregon, learning how to deer hunt out there in the wild. Yeah. And then what brought you here to Aravaca? Well, so then eventually my, my husband and I just about uh, 12 years ago bought our first house together. Even though we're older, that's the first time we could afford it. And it was a half acre in the city and I wanted to learn about native plants. So we literally dragged soil home from other forests and learned through like permaculture and all this stuff about how soil talks to itself like it's an internet. My husband and I were literally on our hands and knees loving this place from this land that it had like spark plugs and grease and gasoline poured on it and the soil came back and the owls came back and the squirrels came back and everything came to our land. It was like in our half acre. It was like, it was awesome. And wove us together with our neighbors too. 
Anyway, in 2009, I was just feeling hemmed in by the city in this place called Tracker's Earth. It was a kind of a outdoor education for young people. And they were offering a bow-making class. The bar was too clangy and we kept on getting interrupted. So we left and went outside for a bit of peace. Across the main drag, right by Samantha's car. Right here. This is nice. I kind of like this building. It, it's been the artist co-op. Is this okay? What about if we sit in your truck? Okay. Yeah, this is my dog's blood. Oh, Samantha is so sad. We'll clean it out later for that. Yeah, well, she was an accident waiting to happen. So anyway, I took this, uh, this bow-making class. And I loved it. It was just a weekend bow-making class. And at the end, I said, you guys, this is so cool. Like, how can I keep doing this? Like, this feeling, this knowledge, this kind of adventure that they were talking about. And they said, well, there's this primitive skills gathering in a couple of weeks over in Rexburg, Idaho. I'm like, okay, well, what's that? You know, I'm like a grown woman. I'm like in my early 50s, you know. So I just took off. And here's like 450 people who are like basically a version of me. And it was utterly transformative. It was like this experience of humanity that I had never had before. And this guy I kept seeing, Hawk Clinton, he was sort of like the nobility of these gatherings, you yeah. know, and I'm like, who's that guy? So I got to know a little bit of him, eventually finding out that he lived in this place in Aravaca. So in 2014, I just said, Okay, I guess we're going to be here. You knew? I knew. And can you explain how you knew, or is it just a sense? Well, my son calls this landscape very charismatic. And it was scary. It felt so foreign and icky and dirty and creepy. And so after being here for three years, I, I didn't garden. The soil was too rocky. And I always felt like that you have to put your hands into the soil of a place and get that on you so you, it becomes you, basically. I feel like that's the only way to mesh is that it's kind of like the earth has to kind of eat you too, not you just eat the earth. Aravaca is really in nature and there's no filters. I'm learning a lot about who I am in the modern world, who I am as a, an impulse-driven consumer person, you know, scrolling through Facebook, where's my deer? You know, you take that mentality with you. Mm. So it's like, what is it that this place requires? Because it'll outfox you every time if you go in like that. It has no problem outfoxing you. None. It can see you coming a mile away and you don't even see anything. You know, but my dog was just prey today. And uh, maybe if it was a coyote, I don't know. I think it was. So she was hyperbred in Europe to be this hunting dachshund without breaks. Well, maybe they don't have coyotes in Europe. Exactly. <laughs> to go and put your nose in anything. Yeah, just well, goodbye like... in the desert. Yeah. And I was trying to rehome her. I'm just thinking, so you could be somebody who thinks that they're really connected to the land. And you are. And you're out there shooting elk. 
but yet you still are afflicted with the consumerist mentality to then go and want to find stuff, talk mm-hmm. about it, share terribly, about it, terribly. whatever. And that's a conflict. It is. And that's in all of us, right? I mean, it's not like anyone's kind of perfect in this situation, but just interesting to have that tension inside you when you have such a instinct to 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 hunt. You, you have know? both. You have both that deep instinct, the pleistocene inside of you, and then you have this modern babble affirmation bragging you know Mm. i really had to fight my need for speed i think that every time you hunt is this massive meditation just massive days are strange the morning your dog dies and the afternoon this amazing lady asks you these deep questions (laughs) about your connection to to dirt (laughs) in my in your truck all in one day (laughs) isn't that crazy life's mad Life's mad. We take it. We take it all. And um, don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. Samantha invited me over to her place on Sunday for a walk, and of course, I was all over it. I slept deeply that night, although I was visited by Samantha's poor dog in my dreams. Saturday morning was another scorcher, obviously. So got on the road, headed south, and got to a tiny little town called Sasabi. My God. (sighs) Just had the time of my life. Just called into the Sasabi store, this bright yellow and purple sort of mission style store that's been there for four generations and just was wandering through the store you know with the aisles full of fruit punch and saladitos and camo caps and cowboy hats and mexican blusas and tequila and Budweiser's and you know fridges full of wieners but I just went all the way to the back of the store and there was a door saying bar open Saturdays 1pm till 6pm it was 1pm on a Saturday what do you know I pushed the door open and entered this world of absolute How many people do you think are going to be out there on the full moon tomorrow night with the eclipse really honoring it in the way that it needs to be honored? I've been teaching this for years. You know, I've worked with many indigenous healers. You know, I learned all this from our indigenous peoples, mainly from... The owner, Deborah, whose grandparents owned the store, she just has created this haven. It was full of bikers when I went in who all left as soon as I arrived. Nothing I said, I don't think. The women would come in, you know, and we're talking Moon Lodge, we're talking all the wisdom that you and I are talking about right now. Many of them had gone through weeks and weeks and weeks of trying to get pregnant. How often does that happen in life when you're just genuinely surprised? You make a genuine discovery that no one has even told you about. You happen upon an absolute 
knew Jen. One of them was pregnant by the end of that eight weeks. You know, the Celtic religions, they also had medicine wheels. You know, they also went back the same way. And that's one of the things I learned when I was on my land for six years and divorced myself from all of my roles in the patriarchal culture. I was a wife, I was a mother. I left all those roles behind to go in and find out who am I outside of my roles and, and totally connect to the cycles of the earth. This is like everybody's dream bar. So kitsch, but not kitsch in a garish look at me kind of way, just quietly doing its own thing, not advertising, not self-conscious, not contrived. Absolute haven and inside were all these women, they all came pouring in, all these women from Aravaca who escape Aravaca because on Saturdays all the out-of-towners enter Aravaca and all the Aravacans exit and come to Sasabi. You know, I'm, I'm landed and I tell you, it's killing me. I think probably the happiest time of my life was that the nine years between the two marriages. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I have, 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 Don't let Ron hear you say that. No, no, he, he, he doesn't have good hearing anyway. I bought my farm, started my own commercial dairy goat farm. And there was nothing fancy about it. I mean, it was your, it was your soul work. You and it, yeah. and we, and we good forget about it. that. We right. forget about yeah. that, that phrase of our soul work. And you know, what is this lifetime intended to be? And it's intended to step out of linear time you know, and take those risks. And you know, once women begin to feel that, my God, I met some characters and people, some women talking about some proper ground stuff. I was absolutely geeking out. I mean, time of my life. Those women were such a sort of coven, such a kind of like dream catchery community support group, huddled together in the back of the bar, drinking their wines, talking about some cosmic shit. Very different, I feel, to the the soul huntress that is Samantha, tracking her prey and following the contours of her land, very self-sufficient. The next morning I drove down a long scrabbly road to join Samantha for a tour of her land just outside Aravaca. Fifty-five acres. Yeah, it's big. It's a lot. For, for Arizona, too. This is a great chunk of land. It goes over there quite a ways down there and quite a ways down there. But the whole top here is the beginning of a huge wash system. So it's kind of, we can go in that next, we'll go back up and then back over. Cause this isn't friendly on your ankles. I don't think. 
I've basically got real rookie footwear on. Plimsolls, bare ankles. Samantha's here in her special boots. Arizona boots. We'll get off over here. We'll go through there and back. God, it's just otherworldly. You think? Yeah, I mean, just to kind of be wandering around and no one here, barely any sound no. from the outside world. Isn't that wonderful? Rare. Of all the things you can buy. Yeah. So there's the house over there. Yeah. Under the pine. That is the... Uh, I think, and I'm no expert here, but the Tohono O'odham Nation, Native American people, live on the other side of that. So that range is split. On the other side, it's the Tohono O'odham. On this side is, you know, America, basically. And I always think it's interesting because it's Tohono O'odham, and then United States, and then Mexico. So it's like this really interesting Three nation, yeah, meeting spot down there. Babo Kivari over there is kind of a nexus or a power center, and that everything in this giant Altar Valley, I think it is, they sort of believe it radiates out in these sort of powerful energies, and some of it has to do with, I guess, quartz is sort of what this sort of vibratory you know, magic. You, have you been, like, to the Nexus? I have been to Baba Kivari. And what's it feel like? Well, I've, I, I've killed two mountain lions up there. Jesus. Yeah. Well, but Samantha, what does a mountain lion even look like? Because I'm picturing some giant great They're big. lion. They're big. They're big. They're huge four-leg arms, and they can kill an adult elk. I mean, they're very powerful. They're, they're designed to kill. And when you say you've killed one, do you have two. to have... Two, sorry. When you say you've killed two, do you have to have a tag to do that? Or oh, do you yeah. just go wild? No, you have to have a tag. And there's a season. And what do you do once you've killed it? Well, we eat them. Oh. So I do. My husband does. And uh, So you get it butchered and put in the freezer? Yes. And I, what's the meat like? It's, uh, it's very mild, very clean tasting, kind of bloodless. Milder, I think, than some venison or elk. Because it's basically cat. Yeah. Most people wouldn't know, wouldn't know what cat tastes like. I know, and some people I've offered it to are like, I can't, I just can't. You know, there's this sort of weird aversion. But my principle is, I will, unless I eat it, I won't kill it. But considering that maybe these coyotes killed my dog, it could be, it could have a vendetta. So do you think you'll be here for the rest of your days? I don't know, today, being in grief over my dog, yeah. I want to run screaming and never come back. Yeah. But then I'm walking with you, and if I go somewhere else, I mean, I think my husband and I have waited our whole life, you know, to have something like this. Just walking through it and not asking for anything, but just letting it be in me, that's hopefully what will help me let go of the dog or my mother or my sister or my brother or my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. Here we are right now. Yeah. 
Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. What's it feel like living so close to that border? Fine. A controversial border. I don't see a lot of evidence that people come through here. But in our other place across out on Ruby Road, where we were for seven years, lots of people came through, asked for water, asked for food, asked for help. So when you came down here from the Pacific Northwest, your attitude about this kind of thing was what? Oh, out the first time my husband was out of town and the first time I was walking down in the evening to close the gate in our other place and there was like a, a wraith, like an apparition. There was a young man standing there at the gate, head to toe in camouflage. And my heart, I thought I was gonna have a heart attack. Just and the dogs ran toward him and he just stood stock still. And I had a sidearm, because I was by myself, a, a revolver. And I was like, just, whoa, blew me away. And he said, uh, I think he said something like, Tango Ayudo, which means something like, I need help. And so I went down to him and I like turned my hip and I said, Tango Glock, like I have a Glock. <gasps> And he said, you'll say, like, I know. And I'm like, okay, we've, we've established the ground rules. You can come in. I mean, the whole thing felt like he was the most exotic, exotic, dangerous thing I'd ever encountered. I mean, I was scared. Symbol of everything you've been told well, is sure. bad and wrong. And just like, what's gonna happen? It felt like complete and total, like, unpredictable, possible chaos. That's how it felt. And he's crying. I understand a little Spanish, and he said he had been separated from his brother, and he couldn't find his brother. And he pulled up his pants, and they were just his legs were just ripped from the desert, just like blood. And and so I'm like, well, come on, you know, come on. And so I put him outside, and I sat him down, and and uh, I said, are you hungry? Yes, he's hungry. So I went in the kitchen, and I cooked him this little weird American food, which it was funny because when I brought it out, he was sort of like, Ooh. Not sure about that. Yeah, not sure about that. <laughs> not sure if I'm that hungry after Exactly, this weird American lady, but he drank the water and I didn't know this at the time, but he asked to use my phone and so I said, okay. And he called somebody in Chicago, I think. He said it was his uncle. I don't know if any of it is true or not, but um, he was just maybe 20. And we were having this amazing encounter. And after he got cleaned up, I brought him like towels to wash himself. And I brought him like Neosporin for his legs and, you know, helped him. And I called somebody, you can call at the time. And eventually after about an hour, a lady came. I guess sort of like an underground railroad thing. And they talked to him and then they took him away. That was an amazing experience. I'll never forget that. He was like somebody from another time. So, and we can assume he got free? He did. I found out later on he did. How did you find out? Well, I asked the lady who came because they said, you know, you're such a kind lady and, hey, girls, Ragnar, it's okay, begs. So I asked a couple, three weeks later and they said, oh no, he, he made it. He made it to Tucson and then but the downside of it is that then people started to come to my house. 
Oh, because they told yeah, sure. they told them there's a nice lady yeah. there. will cook you a, a good American breakfast. And, and, and won't call the Border Patrol. Wow. So then that was sort of like kind of comes back to bite you. Mm. And then people are showing up who are not wearing camo, who are wearing kind of nice clothes. And then you're and new sneakers. The... And then you're like, well, are you a drug dealer? Are you are you a mule? Am I, am I getting you safely back? I mean, you're part of this whole thing. So it's my, my policy now is water cookies you know package cookies and keep going that's it but I, I wouldn't deny somebody who was thirsty or hungry but I want somebody else to decide does that make sense that's just my choice yeah so over the years this became a place where people crossing here would stay in here abandoned house and it's pretty gross and I think a little bit before we bought the place the border patrol raided it so we've had the front part taken down and the roofs trying to get it ready for demolition basically and just get rid of it and there was tons of backpacks in there not very friendly Oh my God. Yeah, the border patrol, they crashed down the gate out there and came in and canceled it. it. Needs to go. So it was basically a family's home. Their son was murdered. The family fell apart. They abandoned their home. Right. And then it became a shell that was used to house That's right. people trying to travel into to Tucson or wherever. America, yes. Yes. Wow. Yep. And just far enough back from the road, you know, to sneak in from below and, yeah. You say, how does a place change a person? You know, it's like, I couldn't have been common understanding and knowing and accepting of this place here when I came from Portland, Oregon seven years ago. This is just sort of what you live and take in and understand and now it's, it's not common, it's not normal, but it's like, it's here. What does it feel like to know that you occupy the same desert that spills out over onto the Mexican side? The well, Sonora Desert. I think it's amazing. I think it's really interesting to stand and look at Mexico. And look at the artificiality. You know, one step and it's a completely different set of everything. It's really interesting. And I also think that people who are willing to walk across that from Mexico, it's like, well, I'd never had to walk that far to be an American citizen. Well, that's pretty much the tour. Samantha, <laughs> I love it. It's, um, God, naturally, it's quite something. And then, you know, geographically. Isn't it? And where that, that geographical position puts you in, in your life. Hi, Glenn. I don't suppose you would bring us each a big glass of water, would you? Bring what? Glass of water for, for two of us. Oh. Two thirsty walkers. Yeah.
Not long after leaving Aravaca, I could see the wall emerging in the distance. Is it possible to drive along? Is it possible to drive along next to the wall? The wall? Yeah. Uh, you can, but you got to be careful because Border Patrol's driving that way too and stuff. What might they do? Uh, they'll stop you and they want to know what you're doing. Want to know what the hell I'm up to? Yeah. Actually, is it worth? They're not going to arrest me, though, are they? No, they will check your ID now and make sure who you are. Yeah, I've got ID on me. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, you just go up there, you go up, up the road. So I just drive up here and then round? Yeah, just go all the way up. Wow, but not that way. Uh, that's Mexico. You go to Mexico, that's, that's your problem. That's your choice. <laughs> I, I meant, oh, you can't drive, continue this way. Okay? You can't go drive to here because we have a range right here. Like this is going to be as emotional as it is, but it's just such a massive intervention. It's, it's, so, it's so ugly and brutal and blunt. Just like doesn't give a shit. Completely out of sync. It's just this big black snaking wall, slatted like Venetian blinds. That's a fence really, it's not a wall, but it looks like a wall from a distance. You can put your fingers through it, put your hands through it. Your hand is in Mexico. It's like, what the hell? So someone decided person decided you know I can put my hand through here and know that if I want to I can just drive just drive through into Mexico if I want no big deal my passport allows me to do that stuff but what they say is for everyone on the other side those that want to come through want to try and create more opportunities in the place that present so many opportunities. It's a whole other thing. It's like mesquite trees on that side. Mesquite trees on this side. They're talking to each other. They're in relation. Although that's been arrested as well. I mean, this wall is like the levees. Interrupting nature, interrupting what is. Thanks to everyone I met in and around Aravaca. 
on my quest to meet a desert woman. To the tumbleweed cafe and the helpful folk at the general store. To everyone in La Gitana, especially to the wonderful Liana who put me up for the night when I failed to get to La Siesta in time. To the coven of women I encountered at the hilltop bar in Sassabi. And of course, to Samantha Moore, who was willing to sit down and talk with me about the land, despite having just lost her pup to it hours before. And finally to Jana for so readily lending me her car. It's a challenge to go roaming in the desert without a vehicle. I could have stayed for weeks exploring that incredible magnetic place. So many interesting people with so many stories to tell. For more on the pull of Aravaca and this part of Arizona, head to low-lines.com. Low Lines was created and recorded by me, Petra Barron, produced, edited and sound designed by Lucia Scazzocchio at Social Broadcasts and executive produced by Lena Presswood at Scenery Studios. The original score is by Hannah Marshall with mixing by Yabina Tinnemans. The show artwork was created by David Masher. Next time on Low Lines. It's impossible to think about all the civilization that happened around here without this food. Understanding not just in the mythological way, but in the practice. This is pre-Hispanic, pre-historical, pre-everything. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. Mexico City, England, or Namibia. When you arrive here, you refer to this as yours. I'll be getting juiced on the permaculture skills of the Aztecs in Xochimilco, Mexico City. <laughs>